Profiles in Teaching with Technology is a podcast series created by Music First, a company dedicated to providing world-class cloud-based tools, content, and classroom management platforms to music teachers around the world. Each episode features a K-12 music educator who uses technology to enhance their teaching in innovative ways. We'll discuss the what, why, and how of their technology integration and hopefully share some teaching strategies that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Amy Burns has taught pre-K to grade four general music for over 20 years at Far Hills Country Day School in Far Hills, New Jersey. She has authored three books and numerous articles on how to integrate technology into the elementary music classroom. She has presented many sessions on the topic, including four keynote addresses in Texas, Indiana, St. Martin, and Australia. Amy serves on the boards of the New Jersey Music Educators Association and the Technology and Music Education Organization known as TIME. Amy is the recipient of the 2005 TIME Teacher of the Year 2016 New Jersey Master Music Teacher, 2016 Governor's Leader in Arts Education, and the 2017 New Jersey Non-Public School Teacher of the Year Awards. She was recently featured on Caucus New Jersey with Dr. Steve Adubato on PBS, speaking about the importance of early childhood music education. Amy is a dear friend of mine, and I'm thrilled to have her on our podcast this week. Amy, it is absolutely wonderful to have you join us on this podcast. I've been looking forward to speaking with you. I, I, I was thinking about before, before the interview, I was thinking, when did I first meet Amy? And I'm pretty sure that the very first time was at the awards dinner in Boston back in 2005 when you were named the very first inaugural Mike Coven's Time Teacher of the Year. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, I don't know this woman. She teaches right in New Jersey <laughs> with me. And, and I found out you were an elementary teacher. So I'd love to, if we can, just rewind back to that time when, uh, yeah. when, when you won the award and, and how you got involved with music technology, specifically at the elementary level, and, and how you came to win that award. Because I, I remember, I think that's the very first time we met. It is the very first time, Jim. It's so good to talk to you, by the way. So <laughs> great to be here on um, Music First Podcast. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. And, um, yeah, 2005. It was St. Patrick's Day. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I was like in Boston receiving an award on St. Patrick's Day. It was a little surreal. Um, and Jim, you were one of my inspirers. You were working, you were on the board of NJMEA, and you were constantly writing about tech integration in the Tempo Magazine. That's right. A lot of inspiration and ideas from you and your websites. Oh my goodness. You were like, you were so, you always are so ahead of your time, Jim. No, and thank you very much. You were putting out websites and like lesson plans and you were talking about web 2.0 in like 2005. <laughs> like, um, so I remember it actually goes back to about 1998. I was, uh, I just started working for Far Hills Country Day School. I was a few months into it when my colleague decided that she was going to change her choral room into a lab installed by Soundtree, which is a division of Korg. And um, they came out and they put in 17 keyboards. At the time, they were Korg X5s. Wow. And uh, I don't even think we could MIDI them. We just had a 
general educational controller. And so I thought this is her classroom, not mine. So I don't have to worry about tech because when I graduated in 1995 with my undergrad, um, technology was not a part of the requirement and you know a uh, finale was rocket science at that time so it was a very different time and then as I started to watch her use it she said you know Soundtree offers this course um, on Martha's Vineyard so in the summer of Mar 1998 I went over to Martha's Vineyard and worked with Lee Whitmore Oh, wow. I'm right? I am just yeah. like the names I'm dropping here. And um, we, I started to learn like, wow, there's a lot I can do here to reach all my students. Because I was reaching some of them. General music in elementary is amazing to teach. It's one of the best places to teach elementary music. Mm -hmm. um, and when I did, I realized that, you know what, there are some kids I'm not reaching because they don't love to sing. I'm going to keep working on that. I was novice then. And I said, some love playing instruments, but I'm not reaching everyone. And I realized technology could be used as another tool for me to teach music where I could reach everyone. So then I started reading up on what you were doing and what Lee was doing and what Karen Garrett was doing. Oh my oh, goodness, wow. 2006 time teacher of the year and watching right. her music tech teacher, you know, website. And I was like, this is really, really good. So then through technology um, for music education, the technology in music education, the time website, ti-me.org, I decided to start doing their summer classes and their certifications along with doing ORF certifications and Kodai. Cause I said, I'm gonna learn and I'm gonna be the best teacher for these kids that I can possibly be. And if I can yeah. learn it all, I can make this happen. And that's how I started getting technology in. I was starting to use digital performer and getting the kids oh my to goodness. themselves. I'm really like throwing things like I'm bringing y'all back to the nineties. Um, and they started recording themselves and then the, the kids eyes lit up when they could hear themselves back, uh, listening to their own compositions and their own performances. And then I started like burning CDs of stuff that they did Again, CDs. They don't even do that anymore, but of things that they composed and they used to, they started bringing it home and showing their parents. And I realized I'm finally reaching everyone in my classroom. And it was great that technology was able to level up my classroom that way. Yeah. And who, um, who nominated you? Cause I, I, I just, I, I think, you know, again, I'm going back. I don't know if you remember, um, but yeah, I mean, it, you, Tom Rudolph. Tom Rudolph. Oh, our dear friend. Oh yes. goodness. Oh, that's and wonderful. Another one who inspired me. I, you know, I would take the courses that he taught. Like that's I right. like, jumped at those chances to take, and he taught the tech integration course. And I learned. I still have like the Word doc file from that. Like, and just there are times I'll periodically just jump back because what he taught wasn't like this tech tool that is no longer around. What he taught was integration. And here's how technology can be used. So yep. no matter what tool you were using, it's all about the integration. Yeah, I mean, I, I, to, to anybody uh, listening that doesn't know the name Tom Rudolph, Tom Rudolph is the reason that I am sitting in my chair today here at Music First. Uh, I first saw Tom do a, a session in Atlantic City in 1988 and his energy and the way he was talking about at the time band in a box. I just was yes. like, I, I want to be this guy. Uh, yes. And I, I had the pleasure of uh, writing a book with him, working with him at time. And, uh, you know, he, he retired from teaching. I, I miss him dearly, but I think he inspired thousands of uh, like-minded educators. So it's great to hear that name again. Yep. I agree. 
So Amy, um, you know, from that, uh, from that kind of launching off where, where people started to first notice you, I now know, I mean, I just saw you on TV uh, <laughs> you know, uh, at the, with Steve Adubato. Um Maybe before we get into what you do at your program, maybe you could fill in our listeners on, on what you were speaking about with him, because you really are, uh, wherever I go, whatever state, if I talk about elementary and music technology, your name is intrinsically linked to those two concepts. And so you've really, I mean, it's wonderful. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed watching your career grow and grow. And so how do you get on a TV show? I mean, that's, that's <laughs> pretty darn cool. Thanks so much, Jim. That means a lot. Um, it, it truly does. I, the, the Working with um, Dr. Adubato, so he has a bunch of PBS shows, and one of them is New Jersey Caucus. And he ex actually implements this program called Right From The Start NJ, and it's talking about early childhood education, especially in the years of zero through three. So they found my name as being an early childhood specialist on the um, NJMEA board because I'm on the chair of that. Oh, yeah, that, that's Yeah, right. and then I've been inspired just learning more about the brain and early childhood from my good friend, Dr. Missy Strong, who's there, a South Jersey um, music teacher. Yep. And then, of course, she studies with Dr. John Fire Robin. Yep. So going through all those, even just going through Dr. Edwin Gordon, going through Denise Gagne's materials, I mean, all of these who write specifically for pre-K and have studied and researched the brain, it's it's inspiring and it's so fascinating. So that's how I ended up on that show is they, they caught me on NJMEA. And then they also wanted to talk about technology because they were just talking about early childhood. I, I kind of be like, you know, there's probably a little bit better people to talk about that. I can definitely talk about it. But they were like, no, we also want the tech side. Oh, great. So they brought me in because again, as you said, like that elementary music tech, that's where they brought me in. That's great. Well, it was very cool for our listeners. Um, if you Google Amy Burns and NJ Caucus, you'll find the interview. Uh, Amy, you did a fantastic job of, of not only not only kind of talking about uh, you know the, that age group and music, uh, but from an advocacy standpoint, I think my favorite line is that the most that you said was the most important or the very most important thing you can do uh, with your child when they're that young is sing. Yep. Them. And it's just, it was lovely to, to see you in, in, a, in wearing a different hat a little bit, um, yes. but, but a really wonderful job. So uh, our listeners, please uh, go and Google that. It's, it's great advocacy material. So if I can, I'd like to bring it down uh, or, or now focus in on uh, your program at Far Hills Country Day School. So why don't you just walk us through uh, your teaching responsibilities and the, uh, the types of um, things that you do with your students? Thanks. I'm um, so proud. I've, I've worked at Far Hills Country Day School for 22 years. We're a pre-K through eighth grade. In wow. Here. <laughs> yeah. There's 20 through 22 years. 22 years. Sorry. <laughs> um, most of my career has been here. And we are pre-K through eighth grade uh, independent or private school here in um, it's kind of central to northern New Jersey. And when I started, the program was coming off of a teacher who worked here for 50 years, if you can believe it. Oh my and goodness. Yeah, yeah, Betty Noling. And uh, so she's known for the performing arts. So the program, I really contribute, like the, the fact that this school is so supportive of the arts, I really attribute to Betty Noling. I think she did such a great job just making sure that the foundational arts skills here are are good. And um, so I continued kind of off of what she did and some of my other predecessors. So when I came in, 
Um, I'm, I'm teaching pre-K through fourth grade general music. I started up the instrumental ensemble, so I teach fourth through eighth grade uh, band. And I also started up our fifth grade instrument program so that all students in fifth grade study clarinet, saxophone, or flute in a group setting for a year, coming off of two years of studying recorder in third and fourth grade. Wow. So I'm really proud of that. That came from initiative that, you know, again, just researching other schools and making sure that we had an instrumental program as well as a vocal program. I then um, out of the uh, assistance from my head of school back in 2002, we started an after school program and that has grown. We have six adjunct professors who come in. It's our conservatory and they teach private lessons in piano, voice, percussion, guitar, woodwinds, and strings. Um, sometimes we have a brass teacher. It always depends on how many students I have and a teacher that I can find. But they, we have a devoted five practice rooms for our conservatory. And again, in 2006, they, um, the school saw and recognized that taking launch and they built these practice rooms for us so we would no longer have to use teachers' classrooms. Again, I, I just love our school. They are just so absolutely supportive. So we have pre-K through fourth grade general music, five through seven general music, um, selectives in eighth grade where they can choose kind of between doing music production, musical theater, uh, chorus, items like that. And then our after-school program, our band program. We have a jazz band program. I got one of the teachers in the conservatory to do that after school on Wednesdays. And we have our, our conservatory, our philharmonic, our jazz band, our chorus, musical theater. All grades participate in an after-school musical theater program throughout the year if they would like. So we have a K-4 through spring musical, a winter 7th and 8th grade musical, a fall 5 and 6th uh, musical, and then a summer grades 2 and up musical. So we really... Um, We've been noticed uh, the, for the last two years as one of the NAM um, Support Music Awards, and uh, we really are proud of our program. Uh, it's a fabulous program. Very proud of this school and how yeah, we support the arts. I'm always fascinated because I'm sure you know, Amy, and, and quite a few of our customers do teach in independent schools. I've always, I never had the opportunity to teach in a private school. And I just wonder, from your perspective, does the fact that you work in an independent school um, give you that kind of opportunity to offer such an incredible array of opportunities for your students? Do you think you would have had that same opportunity, say, if you taught in, uh, you know, one of the public schools in Far Hills? I'm just interested from a, I know it has nothing to do with technology, but I, I always find it fascinating. <laughs> Well, you're, you're specifically asking in this area. Our public schools in this area are excellent. Right. Um, so they definitely have wonderful arts programs because when I look at, you know, my children come to school with me. It's one of the benefits that I love oh, is that's that my right. children come to school here. But once they go to secondary school, um, it's going to be, unless my daughters pursue some sort of scholarships, it's going to be to our public school right here. I live in the area that they work right. in. And the Bernersville High School is phenomenal. It's got an amazing acapella group, magical group, musical theater, chorus. I mean, so yeah. if, if you're specifically talking about our area, I I'm think- talking more, I'm talking more in general because it seems as though you've really shaped the program. You know, your predecessor there was 50 years. You was there for 50 years. You had the opportunity to jump in and kind of continue to uh, maintain and then shape the program. I just wonder, you know, do you feel like you've had more um, kind of latitude or, you know, freedom uh, to do that? 
I think in an independent school, the majority of independent school teachers will say yes. We have more of the freedom to, because we're not bound by standards. Right, right. I do bound myself to standards. Though. Yeah. I yeah, 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 yeah. It's not like I throw them out the window. But I think we have a lot more trust. I do. I feel like the admin trusts us because we are the experts in our field. When they That's call true. us specialists of music, it's because we are the experts of music. And so they look at it and go, well, tell me why you're doing it this way. And I tell them and I show them the research and they're like, great. Okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's, so that's fabulous. It. I'm sure that what you just said will resonate with many, many music teachers. The idea of an administrator trusting you as the subject area expert. I'm sure that a, f a whole bunch of listeners will say, wow, I wish that was uh, the case in my school. So it's wonderful to hear. Yeah. And it's there. Um, it takes work. You have to really build that trust and yep. you have to find a place that you know that trust can be built. And that's, that is challenging. Yeah. Well, so if, if I can shift the conversation um, to the music tech thing, before we do that, and I think you know this about me, Amy, for years and years and years, I have felt a little bit of reticence about having... I know that you teach younger, you know, very young children at the school, and I've, I'm sure you remember this about me, is that I've always felt yes. a little reluctance about getting the very young uh, involved yes. with technology in their music class. And, and if any of the listeners have ever seen one of my sessions, I always follow that up with, but then go and see what Amy Burns does. Aww, because she's, the only, she's, she's one of the very few people that I feel, or you are, one of the very few people that I feel... Um, do it the right way. I think that um, with little kids, what I always say is they should be singing, dancing, moving, yes. you know, and I know that you do that as a huge part of your program. But I just wanted to get before we talk specifics about what you do with your students, um, you know, your kind of philosophy about integrating technology at such a young age with your students. So I totally uh, agree with you, Jim, and thank you. Um, you're right. It, we sing, we dance, we play. We are tuneful, we are beatful, we are artful. And right. that is the goal, always the goal. And I say that in every session I go, I am an elementary teacher. I don't use technology every day. Technology is used when it is the right tool to use. And technology is used when you can do something with technology that you couldn't previously do. Yeah. For technology. For example, if you have children with special needs, their fine skills, their fine motor skills might not be conducive to the instruments that you are giving them, i.e. recorder, i.e. mallets on an on a ORF instrument. However, you have apps that you can plug in to a decent pair of speakers, and then you have these children being able to make music, because it is mm -hmm. about our goal, that our children, that age group, are doing music and making music. So if it, for their technology is brilliant. Another place is composing music. There's something about technology, and this was like my capstone research project at CCSU, where I talked about um, how students actually learn the concepts of music better than they did without when they were composing. This didn't even have to do anything with technology, just right. because they were utilizing their skills and then they owned it. But when they use technology at a second grade level to compose, those students felt success. When my other experimental group was using traditional and composing, they felt so frustrated. And so it was my experimental group too that was using technology to compose and as well as to utilize all the concepts that we were learning. They're the ones who came out in the post-test 
knowing their musical concepts better and feeling successful. My experimental group one came out not feeling so successful, kind of knew their concepts, but the, the traditional way of composing frustrated them. And so like that's where you can use technology in such a wonderful way, an educational way to help your students who are becoming frustrated in a traditional way to be able to do something and feel so successful. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I couldn't agree more with you. Uh, and I think that uh, the kind of considered use of technology, the limited use of technology with young kids, especially in, in, in where, it, where it is difficult without it. I, I, how young, um, when do you introduce composition to your students? Second grade. Okay. Uh, yeah, second grade in that type of compositional setting. Like, do my younger kids start to, because uh, I get them young. We have a mommy and me waddler, toddler, and now it's a crawler program. It's gotten so big for the community. So some of the students have seen me <laughs> since they were babies because that's in its third year now. So I can start, like, reading a little bit younger than when most people do. Like really it's theoretically around second grade if you've gotten them to be musicians and musical. Um, and I kind of stick to that, but there are times in first grade I have them composing, but it's usually just using manipulatives and that's not even technology. That's like, here are marbles, at, you know, or um, you know, more like flat marbles and here's a staff and let's put so and me on this and sing it and you just composed your own melody like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, very, yeah. Um, yeah you know it's it's not so um, traditional in that respect but um, second grade definitely my second graders just made phenomenal four four measure melodies using do re mi so la on the staff singing it back to you then using um, and these are your products Jim and music first we're using no fight yeah. So we have uh, No Flight Learn Through You and then Soundtrap. And um, they create using those. And I got to show that off at TMEA. And the other thing I love about technology is I show it off to their parents. We use a digital learning uh, portfolio. So I just put all of these compositions on there and their parents get a ping on their phone and they hit play and they hear back what their children just did and their reflections of it and that's another place where technology really is such an asset. It's getting your classroom out of the school and to the parents' mobile devices and beyond. I mean, think about that. The kids yeah. connect globally with other musicians in other countries. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, it's mind blowing. Um, <laughs> so maybe, uh, Amy, for our listeners that don't know you, I mean, I, I could talk to you for hours about this kind of thing, but um, for our listeners that don't know you, why don't you walk us specifically through what you teach on a daily basis and how you're using um, music technology with those kids? Maybe just give us a couple more examples than you already have. Sure. So, um, well, let's talk about music first because music first. Has, especially Music First Junior, um, has a plethora of wonderful musical tools. And one of the best things you have, Jim, and that you did, was you grabbed Michael Avery mm -hmm. and had him recreate groovy music to the cloud. So groovy music is like garage band for younger children. And children can use things that they understand and comprehend to create music. And that's what my kids do. My kindergartners use groovy music <clears throat> because we do so much um, movement in our classroom. And a lot of it comes from moving to form of music. 
So I love bringing in Groovy because I will set down a little Groovy shapes, little set down um, a nice little blocks of drums and then leave out sections. So I just create this A section and then leave out the B section and then make them listen to it. And then they go, that is so boring. What did you, what Mrs. Burns? Someone deleted that whole thing right there. And I'm like, no, that's your turn to create. And then that gets into a discussion of melodies. Well, what's a melody? It's what you sing. I mean, these are kindergartners, perfect, you know? And let's drag some, what do you think of this melody? Reflect, make some reflect, make some respond to music, brings you all back to all of those um, concepts. And so I love that you have groovy music. We do use that in the spring of kindergarten to create music because at that point they're ready and they're creating music in a certain form that they have been moving to all year. Note flight, which is also through music first, is phenomenal. I mean, think about that. It's up in the cloud, any device, because we have multiple devices in our school. Pre-K through second grade is a one-to-one iPads, and then third through eighth are one-to-one -one Chromebooks. Now, I'm not saying my pre-K bring iPads to my classroom. They do not. <laughs> All right. <laughs> my third graders, I, when I ask, I'll say, please come in with your Chromebooks. And it's great because through Note Flight that I have through Music First, you can create your own classroom there. They don't need email addresses. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> they go on there. And then what I've done is, I mean, what I've done is through the IT, they help me. So I'm not going through their email addresses, but the IT has set up these like kind of, I don't know what they call them, but these email addresses that they can get in through. And it's great because there they come in and there they are. They go into the website, your student one, here's your password and in they go. And right. it's phenomenal. So it's not, I'm not having to use actually their email addresses. The IT likes that in that, yep. in that third grade. And you make it so easy to do that. And so there they are. And I've already made the assignment last night from home, you know, put the kids to bed, made the assignment saying, this is what you're doing. And then they are, they are creating. And what they were working on was Yankee Doodle. Um, we were studying the Revolutionary War. So they were mixing different remixes of Yankee Doodle. It's great. <laughs> Just like, you know, it's like the way that, you know, these especially when you go back to the historical of those types of songs, just like, how are you going to create it to your own the way that the Americans made it this way, the British made it this way. So it kind of brings it into their ownership and it brings it into the 21st century. And they're like, wait, whoa, and they love it. So it's a lot of times using technology for creative um, purposes, compositional purposes. I also use it for recording purposes, for reflection purposes, definitely video themselves just singing and then coming back to listening to it in music first junior you have that record button i love that i remember the day that i watched music first junior and suggested it to michael avery and there <laughs> it was. i was like yes that's because great all they have to do is hit record and then go back and listen to themselves have them reflect to hear a kindergartner reflect on their own recording is one of the most beautiful things in the world. I mean, just to hear them tell you what they think of their little voice and then for you to go, you know what, I love your voice too. It's because of this and this, and just to see them beam with pride. Like yep. you have so many great tools. And one of the things I gotta tell you, Jim, that I love that you did is exactly how you named your company, Music First. <laughs> because, <laughs> It's music first. And I said this in my TMEA session um, that I, I highly complimented music first because yes, you have the technology, you're there, but it's about music first in the classroom. So anyone, no matter what 
approach they're teaching in the elementary classroom could look at your program and go, oh, this is a way I can integrate technology, but it doesn't take away what I do in my classroom. Right. And that's huge. It's, it's not going to teach for you. You're still owning your classroom. It's still your classroom. It's still your students. But here is a program like Music First Junior and Music First where you can integrate technology in and use it for all the good stuff that it can be used for. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that you'll agree because I taught pre-K to eight general vocal instrumental in a very similar school, um, but we, it was a public school in, in Saddle River, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, um, uh, with that age group, I had no curriculum. So unlike you, I, I followed an, uh, you know, somebody who was not very good and there was no materials in, in, the, uh, in the shelves uh, for me, and I built my curriculum from scratch. And I know that the amount of effort that took and the amount of, I went immediately and got my master's degree while I was doing that because I wanted to create my own curriculum that suited the needs of my own students. Whenever I see products out there that are, are, are prescriptive and say, this is how to do it in this order, it really makes my skin crawl. Uh, personally, I, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but there are some of the other names that you mentioned, um, uh, Denise Gagne, Artie Almeida, John Feyerabend, what I love about the, the way their approach, and, and not that they're technology specific, is that they give you some incredible materials and then you decide how to integrate them rather than here's what you do on September 17th and here's what you do on September 24th, because why, why the heck did you go to school? Uh, you, know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I, I love the fact uh, that uh, what you just said, and I really appreciate your kind words about uh, our tools. Um, yeah, they're great. Yeah, thanks. So <laughs> what are you doing with Soundtrap with the kids? Ah, Soundtrap. It's so funny because people will debate me like, you can't use Soundtrap with young kids. I'm like, oh my goodness, you totally can. And you have to remember how tech savvy your kids are. That's the truth. <laughs> even if they have, even if you're in an area where they're like, they don't have access to technology at home, they're so intuitively tech savvy is, is where it really comes to play. Soundtrap is wonderful. Um, when I first saw Soundtrap introduced, I was teaching a CCSU, a summer technology course. And it like this one author wrote, the love child of Google Docs and GarageBand. And I was like, uh, no, where, where is it? And, right. like, and it's called Soundtrap. And I had this really techy like music teacher, Josh, I love him. Um, he does so much like um, coding in the classroom. If you're uh, Josh Emanuel. Yep, yep, absolutely. Wrong. I'm sorry, Josh. <laughs> and, um, and, and he was like, Amy, did you see this? And I was like, Josh, did you see this? And we like, we signed up right there. <laughs> and we're like, oh my goodness, this is phenomenal. And I really just love it. I love that you can use it for free yourself. When you're using it for kids, of course, they have, all of the privacy things taken care of. So you do have to pay to do that. Um, and I do, I, we pay to have Soundtrap because like it's worth it. So my students can do from things as simple as we did a sound composition. We did a global sound composition two years ago. Some teacher put this out like, I am going to record sounds here in Korea. Someone said, I recorded sounds in New York. So my kids, my second grade class is like, we're going to record sounds from Mrs. Burns's music classroom here in New Jersey. Oh, awesome. And we took all these sounds, they put it up in SoundCloud. And I said, now you are going to log in. Here we go. I want you to create your own sound composition, but make a story. What's the story here that you're using? Why did you pick these sounds? Like, is it someone walking in New York City then finds a child 
you know, by the beach, which of course is not near New York City, but like they were just trying to make their own stories from the sounds they could use. And then they put in this backtrack and some were like, I want mine to be jazz, Mrs. Burns. I'm like, all right, well, let's just hit the filter for jazz and choose those loops. And so that was the first thing we did was just a story sound composition. And then we've gone more into it where they compose and then they record themselves and then they bring it in that recording into Soundtrap and create a beat to it or they create a rhythm rap. So it's like rules. They create this whole rules rap. It's like the beginning of the year. I really want them to get down the rules, but it's so boring to tell them the rules. So instead, create the rules to my classroom. What do you think we should know about these instruments? What do you think, what's respect in, in the music classroom? What does that look like? So they create a rap to these, you know, they have to decode rhythm of the syllables. They record it, then put it in the sound trap and give me a beat to it, put a bass line to it what what makes up our music and um and they did it was phenomenal it was absolutely phenomenal so we've done so many different projects with soundtrap that are amazing even that young kids can do yeah i think oh, you you mentioned one thing that's super important and, and for our listeners you know, a lot of people love using free tools but when you are using them with with any child under the age of 13 it's it's not it's not just you know good practice it's the law yeah. um, that that you're, you're making sure that the students are using tools safely because you know I'm sure you again with little kids my biggest fear is taking them on the internet uh, and, and having them type in their web browser like in Safari on their iPads trying to type things in uh, mm -hmm. that makes me a little nervous so um, when you're using free tools uh, oftentimes there's advertising uh, they're 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 re requiring students to enter their email addresses. So I think it's important for everyone to note that um, you know yes, you can absolutely use free tools as long as it's not requesting any private information from the students. Um, but you know when you do pay for it, you get this you know walled garden. And when you're using software, uh, specifically web-based software, with young children, uh, it's 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 mandatory. It's not an option. Uh, and so I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned that, Amy. Yeah, definitely. I, I always, I, that's why I say, I know people are like soundtrap. Oh, the price of it, like it's worth the price. It, tr it truly is. Yeah. Especially, you know, when you think back not that long ago, 10 years ago, uh, you know, to buy a copy of a piece of one piece of software for one computer is more than the subscription. So yes. it's, uh, it's kind of, we've been conditioned to think that everything should be free, but in fact, you know, it, it's not that expensive, uh, you know, so yeah I, yeah, I appreciate you mentioning that. So Amy, I'm looking at the clock and thinking that we've, we've got about five more minutes and I would love to shift the conversation if I may to, uh, you know, the, one of the reasons I was so excited to have you on the show, other than you're one of my dearest friends, is <laughs> that I think a lot of elementary music educators um, kind of have a lot of questions about, well, what can I do in the classroom and, and how do I get started? So my, my question for you is what advice would you give to elementary music educators or any music educator for that matter in terms of getting started with technology? I know that you, you talked about the way you got started. You kind of were thrown in the deep end. Here's a 17 station keyboard lab. <laughs> I better figure this out. But what advice would you give to listeners who are considering adopting technology in their classrooms? It's a great question. Start small. Don't jump into the deep end. Um, it really go into the shallow end with a lifeguard watching you. It really starts small. It, when you start, find someone in the school who is tech savvy and talk to them. Get on the good side of your IT. 
if Big you're time. With it, yeah, you got it. Like whatever their vices are, supply their vices. Exactly. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it might be brownies. Bottle of scotch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you need them on your side. They are going to be the heart of helping you, um, especially when something goes down. So like, if they are PC-based, then go with PC-specific tools that they are happy and will help you with. Like, don't bring in your iPad if they're like, this is a Chromebook, you know? Yeah, yeah. Working on web-based stuff so that you can talk to them. Um, I really think that's important. And just start small and find a buddy. Um, I always say, like, if you're in my sessions, I always, I always put up the dessert for a buffet and you say, you know, my seven year old will tell you, if you eat everything on this screen, you're going to get sick and bad, yeah. badly sick, but try a little cupcake and a tiny piece of chocolate. And when you have questions, email me. And I always say like, if I don't get back to you in two days, I've crawled under a rock and be, feel free to email me again. It's just, right. I'm in concert mode and I promise to come back to you with the answer. And I do students who have worked, uh, teachers who have worked with me at CCSU will email me periodically like, okay, I'm trying this. Do you tell me again how to do it? And I'll tell them again. I have free webinars up on, for, on my website um, to help people get started with items they might be using technologically in their classroom, for example, like Chromebooks or iPads, or you're using a digital learning portfolio. So I have free webinars. And if you're an NJMEA member, you actually get PD credits for them. Oh, that's um, fabulous. Why don't, why don't we do this? Because people are probably wondering right now, I know your webinar, your website address, but why don't you tell everybody uh, your web address? And I, and I love the stories that you tell about misspelling or leaving the middle initial out. So what, what's your web address, Amy? <laughs> My web address is amymburns.com. Right. My music students have said the M must be for music. I yep. the M is for Margaret, but Jim remembers the story. I said it was about 12 years ago, amyburns.com was some sort of Tropicana model. <laughs> <laughs> that is not me. Yes. So, amyburns.com, you find me. <laughs> yeah, and your site is just awesome. It's filled with tons of content. I love the student work that you share there as well as, I mean, I think a lot of music tech teachers uh, are love to share uh, because we're so passionate about what we're doing. It's kind of why I started this podcast is, you know, I, I want to tell everybody you should be doing this. Come to the, you know, come to our side. It's a lot of fun. It is. <laughs> um, so, uh, Amy, your, your advice about starting small is a theme that every one of my guests has suggested. And so, therefore, it must be true. Yes. And I think that <laughs> the idea of saying to yourself for like the 2019-2020 school year, if you've never used technology before, find a website over the summer that's free that you can do something fun with. And, and by the way, the best place to do that, is, and you and I are heavily involved with, is the music teachers Facebook group yes. uh, there are two so it's the one that's just around 32,000 members make yes. sure make sure that's the one there's kind of a fake, a fake one that's not real um, but the, I'll, I'll say it um, but if you know what what happens is if you post on that website um, uh, you know hey can somebody recommend a good website for teaching composition for the elementary music classroom. Mm -hmm. People like you, Amy, and, yeah. and many, many others, Katie Wardrobe, they all start mm -hmm. chiming in, oh, check this out, check this out. Yeah. So the, the starting small, make it a unit of study. Make it one activity that you do. Try for Music in Our Schools Month, for example. Yeah. Have your kids compose. But 
don't go nuts because what happens is, you know, you might get overwhelmed and frustrated. So maybe choose a grade level. Is that, that's, that's yeah. basically your advice, right? Yes. Yeah. Start with one class. Just yeah. not even a grade level, one class yeah. and have support. Yeah. Find that one person who wants to do it with you or that one person who will answer questions or that IT person. Find support. Um, and with IT, you just have to remember, you've got to give to get to receive. Like, yeah. I, I feel bad when I see our, yeah. not in our school, but when I see IT just get blasted constantly, it's like you, you've got to give back to them. You got to try a little bit and so to receive and again, support their advice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, Amy, before, before we wrap up, I have one last question for you and it's my favorite to ask. It's the magic wand question. Um, it, do, it does not have to be about music first, but music tech in general, if you could like just wave a magic wand and voila, you know, technology could do something for you in your class and what would it be? Wow. Um, damn, that's such a good question <laughs> and such a hard one. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, if I just wish, and I don't wish this in my classroom because it's just this is the amount of sessions and workshops I've done. I wish that technology was so intuitive for everyone. I, I just wish that like those who want to start technology, that what is chosen for them, that technology is intuitive for them. I just wish yes. it was intuitive for everyone. And it, it is, but it isn't. And, um, you know, I just wish kind of like technology had some sort of empathetic side to it so people could have empathy for it. Like when your four-year-old doesn't want to do the lesson that day, you have empathy. It's the child is four, you know, like maybe they didn't sleep well last night. So you change around your lesson, like pre-K, you have a bag full of, of lessons uh, handy to go. Yeah. I kind of wish technology had an empathy side. So people realize that when technology is kind of not working the way it should be, it's throwing its little tantrum that you, people could feel <laughs> empathy for it. I, don't I love it. <laughs> I, no, that's perfect. That's absolutely perfect. <laughs> you know, but like, I just wish it had, it's like a little bit more intuitive for every learner out there. And when I mean by learner, I really mean by teachers, teachers who want to dive into it. I just wish it had that intuitive for everyone. So they had empathy for it. That's a, that's a wonderful answer. So Amy, word, right? <laughs> absolutely. So just to, just to wrap things up for, for the listeners who want to find out more about what Amy does with her students, it is amymburns.com. Amy presents all around the country, all around the world, in fact. So if you're at a state level uh, music educators conference, do you, what, do you have um, things coming up on your calendar, Amy, or are you done presenting for this season? I have one more, and I think you're there, Jim. Are you going to Gainesville, Florida? I'm on a panel for research. Oh, my goodness. I will see you down in Florida. That's <laughs> fabulous. I didn't know you were going. Yeah, I know. Oh, they terrific. got me in there, and it's on my spring break. So awesome. I am, you know, tucked away some cash, so we'll be in Orlando, but not – not Disney World. <laughs> very good. Well, I, I very much looking look forward yeah. to seeing you down in Florida. And Amy, yeah. thank you so much for sharing your expertise and taking some time to talk about what you do. I'm sure our listeners thoroughly enjoyed listening to you, as I always do. Uh, thank you, Jim. And thank you for everything that Music First does for music education. Thank you. All right. My pleasure. Take care, Amy. You too. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. 
If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.